Good morning. We are in, good morning. We are in week three of the Lessons from the Last Supper series. And today, if you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, we're going to be in John chapter 14 and John 16. And note, I'm giving you plenty of time to turn to John chapter 14. That's right. Okay. So today we're going to focus on this idea of obey and obedience. Today I'm bringing you God's word, God's command. Jeremy is not the originator of it. God is the originator of it. So today as we seek to get into God's word, I want you to see God's word and apply it to your lives in the same way that I am going to see God's word and apply it to my life. Because this idea of obey is a very difficult concept for all of us. And the reason it's difficult is because of all the distractions. Of all the places where one can get their information. So my question to you today, where do you get your information from? Now, I normally teach in a class called Tugab to gather all believers. And normally I ask a question and people respond. So I do that often here as I'm teaching here. So where, do, do you get your information from here? Is this where you're getting your information from? One honest person here has, has nodded yes. I will also raise my hand. Yeah, I get my information from some of these sources. Okay, that's important. Are they trustworthy? The good news is, my brothers and sisters, as I am here to tell you today, if you are on the right side, that is the Republican side, then you can trust <laughs> your news source not to be biased. Why are you all laughing? I was... That's okay, the same holds true for the left. If you're on the left, my brothers and sisters, and the Democrat side, you can trust it. Now, you all laugh because the truth is they're all biased. But here's the next question. Where are you getting your marching orders from? These centers of information that are biased have an influencing power on us all. And the tendency is to be energized by these sources to internalize it and then go and do. But is that what we're called to do? Is this what God's word says? to go and interact with the world and become part of it? That's the question. Because who are you going to obey? Are you going to obey this? Or is there something else to obey? Well, we're going to get into that today in a massive way. But I want us to get reoriented to where we are. Now, normally I like to go over the last week of Jesus. I'm going to wind up spending about 15 minutes going over everything again as we keep adding more and more things on. So I'm just going to focus on the Last Supper. It is Passover. It is the month of Aviv, the 14th day of the month. The sun has set. They, the disciples and Jesus are in the upper room in Jerusalem. They're, they're reclining at a table, eating and talking. And Jesus has washed their feet. He got up and washed their feet. He took on the garb of a servant. And that's where we learned about how to serve. Jesus was not ashamed to be a slave. And so he served and he washed their feet. Jesus told them, 
a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And we went over that last week. But look, this is a six-week series on John 13 through 17 and chapter 20. There's no way I can cover all of it in six weeks. So I have to skip some things. And oh, Bible church, forgive me for that. But this is the task I haven't given. Jesus also, what we missed, he has told Peter. Because he keeps on talking about how he's going to die. And Peter says, well, I will, I will die for you. I will fight for you and die for you. And Jesus said to him those words that we all know. Before the rooster has crowed, you will deny me three times. He's revealed that. So imagine how much of a downer this is at this last supper. They keep hearing that Jesus is going to die. He's going to go and return to his father. Jesus has said, ooh, some amazing things in here, my friends, about the Trinity. Anybody know what the Trinity is? Want to give me one, one sentence of what the Trinity is? Anybody? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in person, one in essence. We worship one God, not three. This is a trans-dimensional being beyond our understanding. And if you want to learn more about it, ooh, let me whet your appetite. Get into God's word and find out more. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through them, knowing full well that in the daytime, on the 14th of Aviv, he's going to die the very next morning, or, yeah, morning. So Jesus is also talking about all these Trinitarian concepts. That picture up there, it's a, a decent picture of the Trinity as much as we who are stuck in as many dimensions as we are in. Some say four. But we are dealing with a God who is far beyond our understanding, so we can say these fun things. He is three in person, one in essence. But for us to fully grasp it, it's difficult. But this at least puts a picture of it. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. And vice versa for all of them. But they are all God. And Jesus is talking about this. And I will not be covering that aspect. Instead, let us turn our attention now. Hopefully you've had turn to turn, uh, time to turn to John 14. Let's read verses 15 through 24. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 
He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have to dig into your word deeper. We want to understand these things, Lord, so that we can apply them to our lives, so that we can show our love for you, so that we can show ourselves to be obedient. Guide us now, Lord, we sincerely ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to break this down. We're going to take a look piece by piece. This first verse, verse 15, if you love, hey, there's that word from last week, agape. How are you doing at applying last week's sermon? Are you loving one another? If you love, if you agape me, if you love Jesus, you will keep my commandments. I've got the New American Standard Version. That's what I'm looking at. Maybe your version says obey. Obey is a perfectly good word, but this Greek word for keep, the idea is that you're guarding something. It's, it's under lock and key. And, and in the context here, you're guarding it in your heart and you're doing it. You're obeying. This keep is this idea of the obedient Christian in action. And this is a proof of your love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What if you aren't keeping his commandments? What if you are not obeying? What if there was a trial and the evidence in your lives and mine as well was put on trial to see if we could be convicted of loving Jesus? So we find that obedience proves that you love Jesus. It is a proof that you love Jesus. Imagine a child that's asked to do something by their parent, and they disobey their parent, and they're rebellious against their parent. Is that a loving thing for a child to do? We are children. We are his children. We are God's children. And we should lovingly, and how do you define love? Agape. Oh, go and watch last week. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 and see what does agape mean? And so if we love him, part of that is keeping his commandments, obeying his commandments. Let's look at the next section. 16 through 17 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. This helper, you've heard of before. This is the Holy Spirit. It's this Greek word parakletos or parakletos, some say. The paraclete. It's a compound word. It takes two Greek words, one for to... Uh, be at one side and one to call, to call one to one side. It's a legal person who comes and represents you at your side. If you've been accused of something, a person that gives you guidance, legal guidance. And this is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. My friends, I want you to continually reflect back on all the news sources 
and realize that that is not the spirit of truth. We have the spirit of truth. Jesus said he would send another helper, which implies he himself is a helper as he represents us, as John will write letter, later in his first letter of 1 John. Jesus is our paraclete for God with respect to sin. And here the Holy Spirit is another helper to help us interact with these things of the world. And so as you reflect on this, this is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is in direct opposition to something else that we see that, that Jesus said about the devil. Ooh, did it die on me? I've been waiting for this moment. And you all laugh. That is okay. I will turn to John 8.44 and read it for you. Jesus said something about the devil that is very important. And we need to know who we're dealing with in John 8.44. Jesus says, and he's talking to religious leaders here who say that they have the truth. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is not truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The ruler of this world is the father of lies. Now, Jesus rules all things, but the devil here is not bound yet. And so those lies go to and fro. They go around this whole world. They permeate everything that we listen to outside of God's word. Do you see why it's so important that you have the spirit of truth in order to help to guide you? The spirit of truth is needed. Because we live in a sea filled with lies. I mean, consider one thing I, I asked for to God at the beginning of COVID. Remember, two weeks to flatten the curve. I just wanted the truth to come out. I wanted to understand everything I could about it. And to this day, my friends, I can honestly say, I, I'm sure we've all spent hours looking at it. I can honestly say, I don't know the truth of this thing, this thing that I had and beat by God's grace. I don't know the ins and outs of it. Guess what else? We have a war going on right now. And all the voices are saying, it's this, it's that. I don't understand. Are there neo-Nazis that are in Ukraine? I don't know. Whose side are we supposed to be on? We're supposed to be on the side of truth. And where we cannot get the truth, from the sources that are lying to us, we must rely on something else because our obedience is impacted by it. And if you draw on those other sources and then you go out and do that for your obedience, you are not obeying the truth. I, I, I can't help but recall this one time when George W. Bush was president. He was at a news conference and uh, somebody was asking him, hey, didn't you see that news report on CNN? And Bush said, you know what? I don't get my information from CNN. I get it from the direct source. And that's the truth. The leaders get it from the direct source. And we don't get that information. But I am so happy to tell you today, 
We get our news from the direct source. But I, I'm already, I'm going forward to the very end of the sermon. I just totally tipped my hand. <laughs> Ooh, I think, is this thing back on again? Did we start over? I get 30 more minutes? There we go. <laughs> okay, let's look at the next section. Next section, 18 through 20. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow. There's a lot in there. Jesus is talking about, hey, I I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come back to you. Jesus is tipping his hand. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to see these guys in a few days' time, even though he will die. He will come back. And that will be proof of his godhood, for death cannot stop him. But this gets into a lot of things that we're going to cover more in John 17. So I don't want to spend too much time, too much time on the fact that Jesus is going to be resurrected. And I also want to explain something else in this little section here. <laughs> and, and we can go back to 1 Corinthians 13 because now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face and we shall know even as we are known. And so we shall see things clearly, this mystery. I am in the Father and you are in me and we are all together. Let's look at the next section. Starting in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. The Father who sent me. You understand what he said here. If you, if you love Jesus, you will keep his word. You will have it. What does it say there? He who has my commandments and keeps them. Well, how are you even going to have his commandments unless you're in God's word? Jesus has revealed his commandments, yes, in the Gospels. Yes, through his apostles. In the rest of the writings of the New Testament. Yes, in the Old Testament as well. If you don't have his commandments, how are you even going to keep them? If you spend all your time listening to those other voices and not to the voice of truth, how are you even going to know what to obey? This is a perilous situation that we're in, and we've always been in it, where we are in a sea of lies. We truly are like a boat being tossed in this sea of lies. But the voice of truth is within us, the Holy Spirit, and in God's word. These things work together in order to help you with your understanding of how to obey. 
And so obedience gives a deeper understanding of God. He said, if you do these things, I will disclose myself to you. He will reveal things to you when you do these things that are not revealed to others. Not that the Bible is some hidden document that only a few people can understand. It is there for any to understand. But if you are not in God's word, you're not going to understand it. You've got to be in his word. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants and say, well, whatever I feel is right. We're going to look at that here in a minute as well. Now, something fascinating happens at this point in the dinner. The last verse, verse 31 of chapter 14. At the end, he says, get up. Let us go from here. So this is pretty cool. They're reclining at the table. They're having this talk. They're in Jerusalem. And now Jesus is going to get up with his disciples. They're going to go out the door, down the stairs, and walk through the streets of Jerusalem and out the gates of Jerusalem into the Kidron Valley. They're not there yet, but I want you to understand the setting. They're walking, and Jesus is talking to them. Walking and talking. It's a beautiful picture. So now, uh, as they're walking along and walking in the streets of Jerusalem and Jesus continues to talk to them, I want to hit on chapter 16, verses 7 through, what is that? Yeah, 7 through 15. Now, there's a, a whole lot more that we'll hit on. We'll hit on chapter 15 next week. But this applies to what we're talking about today. So beginning in verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is the role of the Spirit in obedience. To convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because the world has rejected him. Righteousness because here's the thing. We can't go to Jesus and ask him every question. The Bible answers all the things that we really need, but we can't ask him a specific question, literally go to him like he's sitting in Jerusalem right now and say, hey, what's really going on with COVID? Hey, what's really going on with this war? We can't do that. But the Holy Spirit is with us to show us what is sin, show us what is righteousness. And the world knows that judgment is coming upon the ruler of this world and upon this world. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us into all truth. You must rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you. And look at this. This is an important point. He will glorify Jesus. The Spirit is not there to point you to the Spirit. The Spirit is there to point you to Jesus. The three are one. And Jesus is the one who's going to die for you. Jesus is the one 
who covers your sins by his blood, that if you believe in that and accept Christ and know that God raised him from the dead, then you too, you, even you who hear my voice now, even you can be saved. But this is the role of the Spirit in, in obedience. But there are pitfalls and preconditions to obedience. Preconditions, you have to have his word, which means you've got to be in his word. And you have to apply his word and do his word. You have to know his commandments. And where do you find those? It is not that difficult. It is in God's word, the Bible. You have to be in his word. You have to be a believer, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Remember it said, we will make our abode in him. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, pointing us, tugging at our hearts, working in combination with God's word to get us to obey. And how, how wonderful it is, my friends, when you obey the truth. Who really wants to believe a lie? So here's the pitfalls, my friends. The pitfalls are those who say, well, I don't need God's word. I have the Holy Spirit. And I've seen people fall into this trap. And I knew a man in Boston when I was there who said he was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he had started a cult. And every brother in Christ of mine that I knew was falling in with this cult and listening to this man. They didn't need their Bibles anymore. They just needed the words of the Holy Spirit. You who say, I do not need God's word, you've deceived yourself. This is God's word. I have given it to you today. It is not my word. It is God's word. And to that you must look. If you, if you cut yourself off from the word, then you are stuck saying in your own mind, your own thoughts are the Holy Spirit. Or if you start to praise the Holy Spirit too much, you realize one of, the, one of the roles that the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. This is what God's word said that we just went over. There's a real pitfall. You have to be connected to his word. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And when you do this, the Lord discloses himself more and more to you because you are saturated in his word. And when you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps to guide you through the pitfalls of the media and the constant lies that we are being hit with. That's why you've got to be in the word. It's kind of like the Sea of Galilee versus the Dead Sea. The Jordan River comes down from the north and goes into the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is full of life and all good things. And then it goes beyond the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea. It's these living waters that pour into the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea has no life. The Sea of Galilee is one who has the word and the spirit and it flows through them and flows out to others. And those who reject the word or the spirit are like the Dead Sea, refusing to be touched and moved by the living waters. So let's think about this. Obedience in you. Obedience proves that you love Jesus and gives a deeper understanding of God. When you combine those things with the spirit within you, your obedience is solid and firm. But where is God showing you that you are lacking in obedience? Is it something sinful that you're doing? Oh, you know the sin. 
I know we're all dealing with some sin, but you are dealing with some sin and surely the Holy Spirit is convicting you about it that you need to come out of that sin. You've got to come out of that sin. But what about righteousness? With, with respect to righteousness, Jesus isn't, isn't here so that we can ask him all these questions literally. But we can get in his word and we can pray and be revealed things. So maybe there's a ministry that you need to be involved in. Maybe God's tugging on your heart. Maybe it's not so much a sin as it is a do. Go and do this thing that God has called you to do. Your life will be revolutionized if you walk away from that sin and go do that righteous thing that God has called you to do. Consider how your lack of obedience is holding you back in these areas. Consider it. Think about it. Meditate on it. And what are you going to do about it? Oh, what's the point of me even talking to you today if you don't do anything about it? I'm not just talking to you. I'm not. I'm talking to me. Because I'm talking. It's really God who's talking. Not that I'm the voice of God or anything ridiculous like that. I'm just a man. But these are God's words that we're reading. And we have to respond to it in some form or fashion. What are you going to do about it? And who are you going to get to help you and hold you accountable? Oh, that's, that's really a big part of it. James says, confess your sins to one another. Who's holding you accountable? You've got to be plugged into the team. You know the devil goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone he may devour? You know who the lions eat? Who does the lion eat? Christians? Okay, what type of Christians? Isolated, weak, the lagging one. The, the lions eat those that are not in the herd. Stay in the herd. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. Are you listening to where the Holy Spirit is guiding you? This is where we get our information and marching orders. I'm not saying don't get your info from out there. I'm just saying you need to understand, oh, Staunch Republican and Democrat, oh, that you would let that go, oh, citizen of heaven, ambassador for Christ. It's okay to listen to some of that. There may be some truth in there, but you need the Holy Spirit and you need God's word to guide you. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, that we would all be more obedient to you and show you our love and that you would disclose yourself more to us I am so sorry, Lord, for the ways that we all have failed you. I speak for myself and my dear friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ here, Lord. I know that we have failed you in many ways. And I know that you've called us to obey, so help us to obey. Lord, help us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And this we will do, Lord, if we apply your word and do as you have told us today through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.